Welcome to Radically Honest Podcast. Through raw storytelling, we're going to demystify the true keys to success in our digital age through our shared humanity. Welcome back, everyone. It's your host, Assam Lee, and I'm joined with Julian Alvarez, a 23-year-old software engineer at Facebook, CTO or entrepreneur at his startup, Vise. And he is host of the Infinite Minds podcast, which you definitely need to check out right after this. Hello. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Assam. It's a pleasure to be here and to speak with you. Thank you so much. Give me three quick fun facts that make you more relaxed than the intro I just gave you. (laughs) Okay, sure. I really like chocolate, even though I try not to eat it as much as possible. Smart. (laughs) I really like sports and playing soccer. It's always super fun. And I love being human because that's who we are. (laughs) (laughs) So let's start with Vice. Tell me more about the core concepts of the startup and its mission. Absolutely, yeah. So Buy Short for Incentivizing Good is a startup that I have been a part of for about two and a half years now. I currently hold the role of CTO, which just means I get to develop as a developer and also lead the engineering teams and do a bunch of other fun stuff wow. since that's that's the fun of the entrepreneurial journey. And Vise is essentially a glass door for developing countries. And we're starting off in Mexico. In developing countries like Mexico, low-skilled workers like factory workers are often overworked, work in unsanitary or unsafe conditions. They often get promise things like social security health Mm. insurance and once they actually get the job Mm. none of those promises are fulfilled it's really a problem of accountability and transparency and in many of Mm. these countries because the government is corrupt there's not much that's really done our mission is to create transparency into the working conditions of low-skilled workers it'll create the accountability so that factories can improve working conditions and workers can find a job that not only they love but one where they feel respected it's awesome this sounds like a very value-adding startup I I want to ask you this when have you felt most human or most vulnerable in your entrepreneurship journey slash career for trying to uncover what makes you truly who you are and how that fuels you through every step of the way so let's get into that absolutely yeah it's a great question so i would say that the most human thing I've experienced in my journey through Vice has been when I've actually been to Tijuana, Mexico, which is our launch location. Tijuana mm. is just south of San Diego in yes. Baja, California. I had the experience, I've been there twice now, and when I was there, I mean, one of the most essential things for any entrepreneur to do is to go directly to your users and interact with them. Wow. I literally went to the streets, around the streets, and just asked people, like, hey, do work at a factory what has your experience been like just learning about all the challenges all the abuse that they experience Mm. developed such a deep sense of empathy in me for these people because there were problems challenges horrifying things that I had never even known about Mm. so to learn about the human element of suffering that many experience that's so different from the life that many of us live that is so comfortable absolutely that that really made me feel the extremity 
of being human sometimes. And, and just as an example, like I spoke with this person that said he's worked at eight different factories and not a single one of them did he ever feel like he was respected wow. in any one of them. It's crazy because in context, in comparison, we never really have to deal with the hardships of feeling devalued in our jobs. That's such a privilege and it's a great point you bring up because a lot of us do experience comforts of living in the U.S., having great parents that provide us financial resources. So in your experience interviewing those workers, how could you relate to them on a surprisingly intimate level? Yeah, it's um, a good question. On the most relatable level, it's just knowing that they are what I could have been if I was born in a different place under mm -hmm. different circumstances. It's knowing that we're essentially one in the same. We're humans at the end of the day. Yes. We have the same emotions and to see their emotions through their experience was something that deeply hit me. It, it brought me like almost to tears to learn about these things. Mm -hmm. Just knowing that you know, I didn't choose the life I was given. I'm privileged in numerous amount of ways. I could have easily been one of them born under their circumstances. I love that. I love that. It's great to know that we aren't superheroes by any means. We're just people here trying to contribute the most value that we can. And I think that's definitely what Vice does. So in that regard, can you dive into a life experience that taught you a really hard lesson, but a beneficial one? Absolutely, yeah. There's definitely several there. I think many of the hardest lessons that I've learned have come from times of either failures, re re rejections, or... For sure. Or, or things like that, as mm -hmm. I'm sure you and many others know. A big part of my professional development has been getting like the best job I can possibly get, which is also the mission that I have mm. in working at Vise and helping people get the best job possible for them. That's something wow. so core to us. I studied computer science at Texas A&M. For me, the dream since I was young was to work at Google and be a software engineer. Mm. So one summer, like two years ago, where randomly I received an email from a recruiter at Google saying like, hey, we, we'd like to interview you for the software engineering role. And I was like, Exciting. what? <laughs> How is this happening? Exciting. And I knew I was nowhere near the level I needed to be to actually get there. Like, yeah, I knew some things, but like to actually do well in those interviews is extremely challenging. From that day forward, I invested all of my energy, almost all of my time into practicing as much as I could, learning as much as I could to crack the coding interview. Slay wow. it. Kind of reminds me of The Internship, that movie. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, that's, that's a funny movie. They kind of glorify that in many ways. Absolutely. I really hadn't prepared for anything harder in my life before. Every second that I could possibly find, I would carve out and invest into preparing for these interviews. And given like I had never interviewed for software engineering positions before, like wow. my first interview was with Google. And I got to the very final point and it was two phone interviews, technical interviews. They ask you a question and you have to code live on a document with them, which is intimidating. And I felt like I did really well. After one anxious week of checking my email every two milliseconds. <laughs> as you do. As, as I do. I finally heard back from them. They gave me the very uh, exciting response of my rejection. Mm. <laughs> 
It was definitely one of the hardest rejections that I've received. It was demoralizing, not only because of how much effort I put in, but also because I thought I had gotten it. Mm-hmm. It felt really easy to just give up and surrender sure. and just like want to stay on the floor after being knocked down. A rejection, a lot of people take that as a complete waste of all the time they poured into the recruiting process. But in actuality, you were growing every step of the way. So what made you almost cherish that rejection? Yeah, what, was, what made me cherish it and where I learned the biggest lesson was that success is not directly related to an outcome. Mm-hmm. I define my success in that case to giving my absolute all my absolute best and doing everything I possibly could to maximize the probability of success. I don't know if if you guys can relate. Many times we give our absolute best effort. We're playing a basketball game. We're tied at the last second and you give your all and you hit the rim and you miss. Mm. Like what's the difference between winning and losing? Sometimes it's a little bit of luck, right? Maybe it was a wrong interviewer or anything Mm. like that. So I learned to attach success to something I could control, which was the amount of effort that I put in, the amount of time that I invested, because the outcome is not always in your control. You can do things to maximize it, and that's what I do, but the effort, that's completely up to you. Every moment of your life, you have the choice to decide where you want to invest it, what you want to think about. With that power to focus on what you want, I that's what I attribute success to. Because of that, that's that's what led me to learn and grow so much so that when later on, a couple months later, when I interviewed with Goldman Sachs, I already knew so much mm-hmm. and had practiced so much that the interview seemed pretty simple to me and I ended up getting an internship with Goldman Sachs instead in New York. Awesome. That is incredible. The way that you flipped a rejection into a future acceptance to something that could have maybe even made you better in your role. So in that regard, rejections are difficult, but so are adversities because they're not a one-time email that you receive. It's a journey that you go through. You face it not only within yourself, but externally from people, from a decision that that was made. So what has been the biggest adversity you have faced in your entrepreneurship journey slash career? There's there's many because let me tell you, entrepreneurship is <laughs> like Not a roller easy. coaster. Not sure. easy. It, it is challenging, but that's also the fun in it. I would say the biggest adversity I've experienced was around almost a year ago. This was last August, August of 2019. I'll give a bit of context here into what made it so challenging. Basically, at this point, we had already launched our platform for more than a year. It had been live. Advice. Yeah, for Vice. To that point, we still had like almost no users. One of the key things of our platform is for people to write reviews. They can explain their professional experiences and be able to create that transparency. We had basically close to no reviews. So results were almost nothing. Mm. Internally within the company, one of our best engineers have just left. Oh, and it's difficult. Yeah, super. Very demoralizing when anyone leaves. We had another brilliant team member on the marketing team that had also left. And the people that did remain they stayed there but very unmotivated no one really had much commitment even the ceo so we weren't really moving forward too well it almost felt like things were going to fall off Mm. but that wasn't even the worst part really (laughs) so before we get into your other adversity how would you define that initial adversity that you just described in a couple words 
Was it because of lack of motivation internally within your startup or was it environmental or lack of performance metrics meeting desired outcomes? Yeah, I think that adversity is in many ways how motivated you feel and also like what you attribute success to. Mm. So I think at that time, the definition of success was attached to a certain outcome. And because that outcome mm. wasn't occurring... The reviews. The reviews, exactly. It felt very challenging. Mm. And like that's also what was affecting everyone's commitment. So yeah, I, I think a key thing there is like how you determine how you want to define success. Defining success as the number of reviews and that not working out, that's okay if it motivates you to focus on that goal and to maximize it. If you focus on metrics that are not going well and it demoralizes you and therefore you do less work maybe it's best to think of new measures of success like how much you're learning or what the potential of things are you know your progress internally Mm -hmm. on the platform and so yeah it was it was very challenging and to add to the magnitude of the severity of it yes like at the time i had also gotten suspended from school for uh, really how did that happen <laughs> so i basically in my last two semesters of college i hired freelancers to do my homework like a true entrepreneur would do oh man trying to maximize this time oh, and energy <laughs> but wow i don't think i'll try to justify why i did it uh because i think regardless it was an ethical and moral blunder mm. and i've learned a lot from that experience but i'm sure <laughs> it definitely yeah led me to be suspended from school for a year and it also ended up resulting in losing my full-time job offer from goldman sachs in new york wow. so it's like i had my whole life complete together everything was lined up very well some crazy stories <laughs> wow came out of nowhere a tsunami <laughs> that's that's insane I, I can't even imagine how that must feel for someone who is so driven to get that job offer and have that performance metric met how did your understanding of your identity evolve as you decided to separate it from everything that you lost because I'm sure if anyone was in your position they would crumble under everything that they were losing perhaps not focus on regaining it but just feel at a loss yeah great question in some sense i have to almost kill my ego which is no easy thing to do pride is a definite barrier to success it for sure is and so like it's like my identity before that was like oh i'm uh gonna be a software engineer at goldman sachs i'm going to be a computer scientist graduate and like that, that's who i am absolutely uh, super successful and then like all these things just kind of shattered whatever identity i have built up for myself it almost sure. felt like i have to restart in many ways a lot of it is attachment right identity you yes. grow and you attach yourself to a certain way of being and what makes you and so i have to go through the process of detachment which mm. i i have some knowledge of how to do that what resources do you use to help you spirituality i think is very big like meditation when you meditate like it's just breathing it's just consciousness like you remove yourself from anything and the only thing that remains is consciousness i read this really good book at the time called a new earth by eckhart tolle that book literally helped kill my ego wow we'll have that link below <laughs> yep it's cool. It's kind of like one of my favorite quotes really related to the topic says that when you let go of what you are, 
you become what you might be. You as a person have all these parts of your identity that make up who you are. That's great. But sometimes letting go of something, of someone, of a belief, whatever, it's challenging and you don't want to do that because there's certain comfort in that identity, in that possession. But when you let go of it, it creates a huge potential for what could be like an expansion of a new possibility. All those things happen. I lost my job and I got suspended from school. Like it was challenging, but I knew then that I no longer could control what path I was now on. Really? But I knew I had complete power to do the best that I possibly could in this new path. And that's where I felt empowered. And that's where I focused my energy. And man, yeah, I mean, <laughs> like to add into all the things that were difficult. I felt like at the time, the startup was the only thing that I had. Mm. And even that was crumbling away. Wow. Not only that, but I was living back home with my parents and my dad didn't even believe in the startup. He thought I had to restart. He thought I was that's wasting right. my time. So I think that's common in entrepreneurial journeys when you don't have that support system. It, it felt like the easiest thing to do was to lose motivation. I realized that as a leader, I could not afford to be dismotivated. It just was not an option because whatever I felt, however I acted, I knew that would trickle down to the rest of the people. Mm. Leaders set the examples, they're the model. So if you're motivated, even when it doesn't make sense to be motivated, then that inspires everything. And what helped me get out of this, by the way, probably the most important thing, other than the fact that I have nothing else to do, (laughs) (laughs) is that I remembered, going back to the first question, I remembered the purpose of everything, of the people that I was serving. When you understand problem to a high level when you understand how serious how like how much people are suffering because of this problem that exists very personally too completely yeah so things when you've seen that firsthand not only stories but you've seen these people and their emotions you realize how helpful what you're building can be for them Mm -hmm. then it's like all the diversity kind of crumbles away in the face of the potential of this renewed vision and purpose. Wow. That's like the last thing that comes to mind when you feel negatively, but if you're able to bring back the purpose, the why of why you started to do anything in the first place when you least want to, that's what I think matters the most. So would you say that you took less motivation from your parental figures, from personal support systems, from even how other people saw you online on social media on your LinkedIn like that began to fall apart as you kind of focused in on what was really important in your startup Mm -hmm. yeah all of those things I think I was very good at eliminating the negative support systems I I did have some friends that were supportive but I think most of the energy most of the vision the purpose the outlook came from within. What really helped is that I felt like I had gotten at such a high level of personal development that my self-confidence did not shatter even in the Mm. face of adversity. That was a constant. Once I developed that confidence and I could see how much I was learning and I saw the potential of what I was becoming, that built such an extremely high level of confidence that even when all of these things happened, I never lost my confidence. I never lost my belief that I had in myself to be successful, to overcome anything. Mm -hmm. I think that confidence that energy that is produced from that sense of confidence is what propelled me forward to kill it. (laughs) That's super interesting. So it's not that you stopped caring about what others thought. It's that you stopped depending on it. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't know if I depended on it before. Like I'm a pretty independent person, but it's just like, I'm very weary of whatever information of whatever knowledge of whatever advice 
someone tells me so my dad is telling me like he doesn't believe it it's like i'm not gonna believe him just because he's saying that like what is yes. the source of his truth what does he know what what do i know and what parts is he right right like when you get feedback from someone it's valuable they might tell you a hundred things and two of those things might be right the other 98 percent might be wrong i won't ignore all of it just because the majority was wrong i'm gonna focus on what what was actually true about what that person said the same goes for the support system if someone was encouraging or discouraging i'm gonna figure out like what's most useful for me and take it not just accept it as it is very very smart advice for everyone out there after you experience so much adversity obviously it's been a year you've had a lot of time to reflect a lot of time to grow and move on from it but it's so important to go back and always remember what it taught you so how did those adversities evolve your mindset what was the difference between your mindset then and what it is now yeah oh my god so much and I mean for me mindset is so core because what actually happens in your life and the way you perceive it are two entirely different things and so mindset is core to everything that I do with this whole situation the whole adversity it was very shitty it sucked a lot the easiest thing for me was to be down cry whatever but it just didn't seem like the most practical thing to do to me. You know, I realized that with what was going on in the startup especially, I knew that, you know what, like this shit is hard. It's so hard. I realized that I actually love that. I love how hard it is. Mm. And I mean, there's no doubt that I would have for sure been more at ease if it would have been easier. easier, if I would have felt like more comfortable. At the same time, the adversity that I experienced is what helped me build my mental resilience. It, it's kind of like, if you go to the gym and you're lifting weights or if you play tennis, after a while of lifting those weights, your hand starts to form calluses, right? It starts yes. to form these calluses that basically roughen your skin. And because it becomes rougher, you're able to lift more weight without it hurting. Just in the same way, I was forming calluses in my mind through that adversity. It was increasing my pain threshold. I knew that I had grown so much, but there was still so much to, to still learn about. Through these adversities, what mattered most is that I meet, remain resilient and persistent to not fall even when it made the most sense to do so. Really what I came out of there with is to, the mindset a trigger for me was to embrace the suck. Life's not always gonna be rainbows and butterflies. For so sure. when it does suck and it will suck at times, embrace it. Find thrill in it. Know that your lowest points are probably likely ones that are filled with the most growth. Exactly. So the key philosophy that I took from that is that the only failure is a failure to learn. Mm. Because you can fail and you can let that failure possess you. But if you don't come out bigger and stronger than before, and that, that's actual failure. But if you grow and you become better and that benefits your life for the better, then it's yeah. worth it. That's an incredible, incredible insight. And I'm sure we could all relate because we've all had rough periods in our lives that we kind of wished hadn't existed. But if they hadn't existed, then you wouldn't be where you are today. Yeah, it's true. So moving on from that, tell us about, tell us a story because we're all about storytelling here. We want to, we want to get that zoom in into your life experiences, your perspective. Give us an emotional experience that piqued your inspiration for your career path. Yeah, absolutely. So for my career path, there's different components of my career path, like entrepreneurship, business, and computer science, of course. of course. So I'll tell a story about like the computer science journey. When I was going into high school, freshman year, that summer,
summer. Fortunately, I had one of my dad's friends with a, was a computer scientist. He told me if I ever wanted to build an app to just let, let him know and we could work on it together. So I was like, oh, all right, bet. Awesome. <laughs> Went to Spain, took like a million pictures. I came up with this idea to organize photos into albums before there was photo albums. Wow. And I organized the whole idea, pitched it, and he's like, hey, this is amazing. Let's start with something simple. Let's build a calculator for the iPad because it was 2010 the ipad first came out and it did not come with a calculator for some reason wow <laughs> silly apple <laughs> shame <laughs> after many months of work and looking at lines of code that made no sense to me <laughs> um we finally finished the the calculator i learned a little bit of coding on the way i think the emotional part of it for me was kind of realizing that i could identify a problem or solution Mm -hmm. And I could employ my creativity to develop a solution through programming. And then I could not only build that solution, but I could make it readily available to millions and billions of people worldwide. So to go from identifying a problem to being able to create a solution with my creativity for people that could access that solution around the world, that blew my mind. That made me realize that Programming is not just a tool. It is a platform for enacting meaningful change. And the richness of that emotion of like releasing the app and seeing thousands of people download it, mm -hmm. it was like, whoa, I created something that did not exist before. I brought it into existence and it's helping people. It's solving a problem. That is so cool. Yeah. Wow. That sounds like a really, really interesting experience. Thank goodness for that friend of your dad's <laughs> that helped you out there. The real MVP. <laughs> for sure. So give us a deeper look into another story, but this one a little different. How did it mold your purpose in life? Because purpose is such a driving force for all of us but it's really hard to pinpoint it's really hard to derive and i think experiences are some of the greatest sources for understanding what your purpose is yeah absolutely i mean i completely agree i think purpose is at the core of all of us and after all we're not human doings we're human beings and with that we have yep. to live purposefully that's what fulfills us and that's what energizes us absolutely so there's many stories but one i'll touch on was kind of an early story this was when i was around sophomore year 10th grade in in high school and i went to a religious retreat really um, interesting yeah one of the exercises we did at that retreat is we sit in a circle and everyone goes around like basically just the idea is that you have a vulnerable and space and safe space to kind of express whatever emotions or problems you have like what problems challenges do you have in your life wow. everyone goes around and talks about it very honest so people are going around and just talking about financial issues or my parents got divorced mm. or all these problems and people are crying there's like tissue boxes going around soon it's it's about to be my turn and by the time it gets to me like I feel such an overwhelming sensation of guilt because I have really? no I have none of the problems that these people are talking about. I have the financial support I could ever want. My parents are happily married and I've just never really dealt with much adversity in my life at all. I've lived I'd lived a comfortable and privileged life. And so I felt so guilty and I like I didn't know what to say to this group of people. I was like I expressed my guilt to them. I was like, this isn't fair. Like, mm. why is it that I get this beautiful life? Why me? Like, it's almost like I wanted to have their problems so that I could relate. Really? It felt 
it felt awful. And then this angel that was a part of the group, she told me that, well, hey, maybe, maybe your purpose in life is to be a shining light for others to show them what's possible, to show them that there really is a possibility of a life worth living, of a beautiful life, a life without many problems or one where there's so much light and joy. Interesting. That hit me pretty deep because I realized that with the privilege and opportunities I've been given in my life, I really have two choices. I could either take them for granted and just do whatever and have fun and not really care. Or I could take full advantage of every door that is open for me, maximize that opportunity, grow as much as I can so that I'm able to maximize the amount that I'm able to give back. Yeah, that experience really taught me and showed me that I have the potential of being a light that is able to illuminate and magnify the light of others. Wow, that sounds like a very life-changing experience. <laughs> oh, it was. And would you say that your positivity in general played a big part in how you viewed your life in comparison to others maybe that have experienced more hardships than you? Absolutely, yeah. I think part of living such a privileged life led to that level of optimism that has helped me find the dim light in the darkest tunnel. I always feel that there's a shimmer of light in even the deepest, darkest corners of the world and that it just needs to be found and uncovered. That has definitely lightened up my life and therefore the light that I've been able to provide for others. It's awesome. But of course you have gone through hardships as we talked about, so <laughs> we don't want anyone thinking that anyone's life is perfect or anyone's mindset is always perfect because we're all growing and that's really the main point here. Mm -hmm. So as far as the glamour facade that we talk about here, what people see on your social media, on your LinkedIn, on your Instagram, on Facebook, it's all highlights, successes, accomplishments, and then there's this constant stream of affirmation that people receive that other people see and they're like wow this person is so admired etc etc can you break down the difference between what people see online versus your reality yeah this is a great question because with social media you're kind of presenting the best moments of your life you'll sometimes even add a filter to brighten, oh, sure. it, brighten it up and make it look even more amazing i don't think there's much vulnerability on social media at all like no one's really posting about the challenges or the failures or the rejections it's all the most beautiful parts and I think sure. that's that's kind of dangerous at times when we think that everyone's life is so great and ours isn't. So I think when people see my social media, they see like, oh, I'm doing well, like I have I'm, I have all these things going well for me. I always express a lot of life positivity. I think it's easy for people to see or, or feel like that I have life figured out in mm. many ways. This guy's got it all figured out, all lined up. People have even told me this, like, yeah, it seems like you have it all figured out. Mm, yeah. in, in reality, there's, and I believe that I'll never have things figured out. And I don't think that's a bad thing because if I were to tell you that, yes, I have life figured out, then that immediately closes off the opportunity for me to learn so much more that life has to offer. Life is like infinite in what it has to offer and its variety and its complexity. There's so many layers, so much depth to everything. If I were to tell you I was a master of life, I would actually be the complete opposite because sure. obviously I am naive. <laughs> um, a little delusional. A little delusional. 
So no, I don't have life figured out. Even though like I do have great things going for me, I'm always trying to identify what the gap is between where I am and where I want to be. And that gap is where the growth exists. And once I have that well-defined, it's like, what do I need to figure out about life, about myself, about whatever I'm doing in order to close that gap? I know so much, like relative to most people, mm -hmm. I definitely know a lot, but relative to everything there is to know, I know nothing. Nothing. Yeah, that's a powerful statement right there for sure, because it is a common expression people use, you have life figured out. Mm -hmm. And I think that's so interesting because every life is different. And again, the combination of various possibilities to make something that's a figured out life, it's unattainable, it's unrealistic to even think you have a grasp on that. So it's great to clear that up. So, you don't have your life figured out, and mm -hmm. no one does. But who is your role model, and how have they helped you recognize your internal humanity and leverage it without you glorifying them too much? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think role models are huge because for whatever you want in life, there's likely someone that's already there, and they can kind of paint a picture for yeah. how they did it or what's possible. Mentors, experts. Mentors, experts. So, my number one role model, without a doubt, other than my parents, of course. Yes. <laughs> shout out. Shout out. Shout out to the fam. <laughs> is uh, Tony Robbins. Tony Robbins is. It's hard to describe him because he's so many different things, but he's basically like a life coach. He he teaches you how to master the psychology of life. He teaches you the art of fulfillment, the science of achievement, on how to live your life, life on your terms, on how to live a, a fulfilling life. Fascinating. Um, so there's so so much depth. There are so many things I could talk about. Tony has these seminars and in these seminars are like four five six day events super intense like 50 hours 60 hours of content where wow. he's just going and being a complete like machine seemingly it's incredible to witness him live and all of his energy and presence and communication ability yeah. I've been to five of his seminars now but the very first one I went to it's called unleash the power within that title will give you an idea <laughs> <laughs> But very promising. Very. What basically happened as a result of that seminar is that for me, I've always felt that since a young age, I've I've had a level of ambition there. Innate. It, innate ambition. Like something that just like was very energizing within me. But ever since I was young, like that ambition was purely monetary. Like I just wanted to be mm. extremely rich and have all the money I could ever want for yeah. some reason. A false a false dream, guys. It's not all it's not all that. <laughs> Not, Not at that all. I would know, but... <laughs> no, yeah. You know, I did some things in accordance to that ambition, but it never really drove me past a certain point. And I even remember at one point was where I was like, man, like, I'm not doing what I need to do to respond to this ambition within me. Like, mm. am I going to live a normal life or am I actually going to push myself to where I want to be? Interesting. I, I remember having that conversation with myself. And what happened is when I went to Tony Robbins' seminar, the key takeaway for me is that I realized that my ambition, my purpose in life was self-centered. It was monetary. Mm. It was wealth. It was just like what I wanted. Part of Tony's big message is that the secret to living is giving. He basically clarifies that your mission and your purpose become so much more intense and powerful when you live your life in service of others. Mm. And so what I did is that I redefined my purpose. Now my success, my wealth was not only for myself, but it's also what it could bring to the people around me, to the whole world. When the vision expanded, Mm -hmm. into something that was so much bigger than I could ever be when it went beyond me mm -hmm. the level of energy that was associated to that sense 
of ambition just drove me to finally do everything in my power to actually be in alignment. Really? And I started doing everything and working so much harder to actually live in accordance. And I feel like I'm on the path of that mission now. Yeah, that's incredible. That's absolutely incredible. What is it about Tony Robbins that makes him so relatable to you as if the way that he lived his life, you could reciprocate it? Tony had a very tough childhood and that's not the part that's probably relatable to me, but it just goes to show that he's very human. Mm. He came from, you know, his parents were divorced. Uh, many times he had like no money growing up. He had so many challenges. He found a way to break through, study success, and he always had that hunger within him. Like I no see. matter what, he had that hunger and that hunger drove him to find bigger and greater things. I think those stories of seeing adverse, someone go through adversity and sorrow and tragedy and to be able to overcome that to get to a high level, mm -hmm. that's really what I think makes them human is to see their evolution. Because so many times we just see the tip of the iceberg, like the result of overnight success, but it's really a whole a whole life in the making for sure that's awesome because it's important to recognize that we all have hunger in us it doesn't matter if you're aspiring to start a family or start a business we all have that hunger in us it's awesome that you recognize that in tony so to cap everything off we had a great conversation here today it was super insightful i hope you all had a lot that you got from it but what raw no bs advice would you leave our generation z digital natives uh everyone who's listening you could apply this but specifically those of us that are really hungry to become an entrepreneur in this digital age where we have so much accessibility to resources that our parents didn't have and it makes being an entrepreneur a little bit easier <laughs> what raw advice would you give to them yeah so oh man so many things here. Firstly, I'll touch on by saying like, it is way easier to be an entrepreneur today than before. Like today to start a company costs like around $5,000. Really? In the year 2000, it would have cost you $5 million. Wow. So the advancement in technology and databases, servers, everything has really made it affordable to start a company easily. Yeah. The, I'll mention several, but probably the key one is like, why do you want to be an entrepreneur? Mm. Why is that something you want to do? Because you got to be careful. If, if you've never done entrepreneurship, that's the advice I would give you. Because to, in today's age, entrepreneurship is glorified. It's very trendy. So do you want it just because you see Elon flying rockets? Um, you know, Mark having a whole empire or Google being crazy. All these companies, like, do you glorify these people without realizing how much work they're actually putting in? Why do you want to be an entrepreneur? Is it just for the money? You want to be a billionaire? Or is it really connected to your purpose, to your way of life, to what you want out of life, to a level of fulfillment? Because let me tell you something, there is nothing more challenging yet rewarding mm. than entrepreneurship in my perspective. Awesome. To have the ability to create something that didn't exist before and to create something that is able to outlast you. Yeah. And to be able to play a role in the invention of the future, to be able to work towards solving incredibly challenging problems that are able to offer just insane amounts of value to the people that you serve, it is extremely fulfilling. Yeah. Um, but you have to make sure that that's what you want because it's hard. <laughs> yeah, I can hear the passion in your voice. Yeah, a lot of energy. <laughs> There's a lot of energy for sure. Clarify that, write about it, journal on it. Like, why do you want to be an entrepreneur? And make sure that it's actually purposeful and it's not just because it's what other people want or what other people mm. glorify. 
If you find something that a startup that you either want to join or you want to create, mm -hmm. and by the way, you, you don't have to create your own startup. You yeah. can join, join one too. That's perfectly fine as well. At least in the beginning, like I joined the startup for Vise. I didn't start it, but I feel like I'm a co-founder. It's just as great. But I would say like for whatever you want to join or start when it comes to a startup, make sure that the problem you are solving is important enough to you that you're willing to invest at least 10 years of your life to it. Wow. Because if you're not, and it's not that you have to be there for 10 years, but it's like, do I care enough about this problem that I'm willing to invest 10 years of my life to it? Mm. If the answer is no, then it's not worth it. You're gonna get dismotivated, you're gonna experience mm. extreme challenges, adversity, and you're not gonna know what to do or how to overcome it. So. If you're not willing to have a level of purpose and passion that is so strong that you wouldn't dedicate 10 years of your life to it, then it's probably not worth it. That's interesting because nowadays it takes a lot less time to really just bring a vision into reality. But I think the maintenance of it and actually creating a sustainable vision, that's what takes years rather than months. Mm -hmm. So thank you for breaking that misconception. If y'all are thinking uh, starting a company is going to be like done in a year, one and done. Nope. It's going to be hard, but it's going to be rewarding. Yeah, that's basically it. Thank you guys so much for listening in. Thank you, Julian, for being a great guest. And we're going to end with some plugs. Where can they find you on socials? And how can they listen to more of your voice on Infinite Minds Podcast? For sure, yeah. So if you would like to listen to some great content from my podcast, you can go to infinitemindspodcast.com or follow us on Instagram at Infinite Minds Podcast. Some great nuggets of wisdom there as always. And the content is always going to be top notch. For my social media accounts, you can follow me on Instagram at julian.alvarez42. And if you want to learn more about me, I have my personal website that's julianalvarez.me. Awesome. And you're also on LinkedIn, just under your Julian Alvarez name. Julian Alvarez, yeah. Couple recaps here. I think we've learned a lot about creating a reflective space for yourself whenever you go through adversity, making sure that you're learning, you're constantly growing, that you're realizing where you lack and where your strengths are, and essentially working so hard about something that's about the people you're servicing and not about yourself that you're servicing. So guys, thank you so much once again. And don't forget to follow Julian on all of his social media platforms. And I'll see you next week. See y'all. <laughs>